All right, one of the things uh, about the holidays that is uh, so special is uh, the relationships that we get to share around holiday tables and holiday celebrations. Um, Those relationships, of course, vary uh, in their closeness. They also vary in their goodness. And so during the holiday season, one of two reactions normally happens in our hearts. Either A, we have a lot of excitement and anticipation to be with the people we want to be with that we get to be with. Or B, sometimes there's a lot of trepidation. Uh, We don't necessarily want to be with the people we have to be with because maybe those relationships aren't as strong as we think they ought to be. Either way, whichever one you are this morning as you anticipate Christmas coming, what you're showing is how much you value relationships. How much, in fact, we crave to be related to other people. Uh, If I asked you this morning to list the top three or four things that you value relationships for, uh, I know that we would all have different lists. Some of it would be the same, some different, but, you know, we'd have a lot of common things. But I guarantee you there would not be many people who would write down the following. I want relationships with people because it keeps me humble. Anybody? Would anybody write that? Probably not. Yeah, that that is not what comes to mind. And yet in the Bible, those two things are wedded together. This Christmas, we're talking about the theme of humility, how Jesus was born in a humble manner and how we, his people, ought to live humble lives. And here in this story, Mary, Jesus' mother, who is barely pregnant, goes to visit Elizabeth, John the Baptist's mother, who is six months pregnant, and they together have fellowship. They share communion, that they share a meeting of friends and a meeting of acquaintances. And through that meeting, one of the things that gets produced in their lives is an extraordinary humility. And the same thing is true with you. You cannot be humble or grow humble unless you have fellow Christians in your life. It's one of the main reasons why we need this kind of fellowship. The Bible actually uh, would refer to this fellowship as one of the core commitments of every true Christian. In Acts chapter 2, it says that the Christians, when they first believed, devoted themselves to, quote, the fellowship. They devoted themselves to the fellowship. That's what we're talking about here. We're going to call it today gospel fellowship. And if you'll look at your bulletin, I want to show you three things about this gospel fellowship. First of all, we're going to see our need for it, why we need it. Secondly, what are the characteristics of it? And then lastly, how does it help keep our hearts humble? You ready to hear about it? All right, first of all, why do we need gospel fellowship? Well, in short, we need it because it is an indispensable part of God's design to bless you. Friendships with fellow Christians is an indispensable part of God's design to bless you. Look at what Mary does there in verses 39 and 40. I want you to just notice Mary's actions. In those days, it says, Mary arose and went with haste into the hill country to a town of Judah, and she entered the house of of Zechariah and greeted Elizabeth. Why does Mary arise and go with haste to visit Elizabeth at her house, which, by the way, is almost 100 miles away from her own house? which would have taken back then when you didn't have cars, you just had your own feet or some animal's feet to take you, it would have taken four days, probably at the very least, to get there. 
with all the stops that she had to make and all that. Why would she do that? Why would she go there in a hurry? Well, simple reason. Because God told her to. If you have your Bible, you can look back at the passage that we looked at last week. And in verse 36, remember the angel Gabriel had said to Mary, Behold, your relative Elizabeth in her old age has conceived a son, and it's now the sixth month of pregnancy for her who was called barren. And Mary took that. That was just simply an announcement that God was providing through Elizabeth a sign that God was powerful enough to do what he had promised to Mary. She took that statement as a commandment for her to go and be with Elizabeth. I think there's actually, interestingly, a side lesson that we can learn from this. The Bible is so complete and the Bible is so rich that even the things the Bible implies are commandments. Have you ever thought about that? We ought to, as Christians, read the Bible so carefully that not just what it says in so many words, but even the things that are true because of what it says are things we ought to take as gospel truth and things that we're willing to stick our neck out there and obey and you know, do even dangerous things like take a 100-mile journey by yourself when you're only probably about 13 to 16 years old. That's Mary. She's very young. Most uh, scholars believe she was somewhere in that range. She was willing to take that risk simply because God had pointed out to her, you need something from Elizabeth, and I'm going to tell you about it. Now go see her. Mary could have thought of many reasons not to go. Don't you all agree? So many reasons. I mean, if, if anyone has an excuse not to go be with other folks, in this case, it's Mary. She's got to have that conversation with her parents, say, I'm going to take a trip 100 miles away by myself, and by the way, I'm pregnant, and an angel did it. (laughs) It's awkward. She's weak. She doesn't know how she's going to be received once she gets to Elizabeth's house. She has no assurance of what's going to happen, except God pointed me to Elizabeth, and because he pointed me to Elizabeth, I'm going to get there whatever it takes. She rose, it says, with haste. She went as fast as she could go to experience gospel fellowship with this older woman, this woman that could have been her great-grandmother in age, who together could share not just the fact that they were both women, they were both from the same general family, and they both were miraculously pregnant, but they also shared the fact that they both had received the Holy Spirit. She was desperate to go down there. Mary understood something important. God always provides for his people, but he does not always provide by giving it to them directly what they need. Sometimes he provides for you by giving it to someone close to you so that you have to receive it from him through them. It's it's a basic principle of the kingdom of God. He doesn't just give you everything you need directly. He gives you a portion. But he gives to other people around you the other portions that you need that you have to learn how to receive in humble fellowship with them, receiving the kindness of God through human hands. Mary went with haste to experience this. I mean, just think about it. Even in nature itself, the way God designed nature 
you see this principle. Uh, we're talking about babies because it's Christmas. We always talk about babies being born. Well, think about a baby. As soon as that baby is born, isn't it amazing that God provides the nourishment that baby needs for the first few days and the first few months already within the body of the mother? Isn't that cool? Already, what that baby needs, as if on command. Thank you. Yeah, what, what that baby needs is his mother. <laughs> right? Isn't it an amazing thing? You see it also just even in your own body. What the heart needs, the lungs provide. What the lungs need, the heart provides. What the kidneys need, the liver provides. And so on and so forth. And, and, and God, when he wants to paint a picture of what the church is supposed to be, he points to a body where Christ is the head and all of us are like parts of that body who are each mutually dependent on the others. In other words, you and I need to make haste like Mary to be with one another. We need to make haste like Mary to build the kinds of friendships together like they experienced, Elizabeth and Mary, in this scene. And the question is, are you doing it? Are you committed to it? Or do you ignore it? You see, we tend to think faith. I know about faith. It's a private thing. It's my thing, me and God. I don't really need people. Yeah, it's nice to have other people who can encourage me because it's nicer to sing with others than to sing by myself. But that's about as far as we go a lot of times. We don't think about the deep spiritual connections that God wants to make between us which is the reason why we need to be together. It's a part of God's design. He gave to you what I don't have. He gave to me something of what you don't have so that together he could bless you through me and me through you. Beautiful, isn't it? And yet, here's what we do. Let me just tell you about some of the things I've done and then you can tell me whether you can relate. Number one, we don't show up. Again, if anybody had an excuse not to get to fellowship, it was Mary. She could have thought of dozens of excuses, and yet she made haste to get there. If she could make haste to get there, can you not make haste to get here? Can you not make haste to get to your friends in church and to spend time with them that you need? Isn't that true? Now, secondly, we show up, but sometimes when we show up, we don't open up. And I can tell you from experience a little bit about this one, even more than the first one, because there have been often times where I have shown up through my life and I have been a part of the church and opening myself up has hurt me. Can anybody say amen? amen. <laughs> and when it hurts you to open up, the next time you don't want to open up as much. You want to Pull back, you want to get colder and harder and build the hedges. I've done it. We've all done it. And yet this passage says, Mary went with haste, she showed up, and when she showed up, she opened up, and so did Elizabeth. And they kept doing this, it tells us down in verse 56, for three whole months. That's what it says in verse 56. Mary remained with her for three months until John the Baptist was born. Because Elizabeth was six months pregnant. 
So she waited it out to see John born so that she could have the assurance in her heart that Jesus, too, would be born. Same thing for you and I. We've got to show up. We've got to fight to show up. Sometimes showing up is the hardest fight. Haven't we learned that in the past two years since COVID? And then after you show up, there's the fight of opening up, which is, well, even harder. But there's something to discover when we do. Second point, what are the characteristics of this gospel fellowship? And look at verses 41 and 42. Because what Mary and Elizabeth find when they show up and when they open up, they find not just mere friendship, which is good. It's not just mere friendship. It is spiritual friendship. It is friendship based on a union that they have with Christ which is able to nourish them at the spiritual level in their lives. Look at what it says there in verse 41, for example. When Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary, the baby leaped in her womb. That was John the Baptist. And Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit, and she exclaimed with a loud cry, and it says that she blessed Mary. And then it turns around in verse 46 which we'll look at next week, that Mary returned the favor and she began to praise God and bless God. What you have here is an exchange not just based on blood relationship, not just based on mutual hobbies. It's not just the fact that they're both pregnant women in the same family. Uh, it's, not based on, um, it's not based on any other, like, like they work together or anything like that. This is based on a spiritual connection where they are both together feasting upon the word that God spoke to each of them. And as they feast together on God's word, they encourage each other's heart. And that's a picture of gospel fellowship. True Christian friendship is more than just skin deep. It's not simply based on the other external things that bind us together with all people. It's based on a spiritual connection. We all have the same Holy Spirit indwelling us. Therefore, we have a family likeness together, just like Mary and Elizabeth. Even the baby in Elizabeth's womb shares in this experience. It says, John leaped for joy. Elizabeth, in verse 44, attributes this to the Holy Spirit. Earlier in this chapter, in Luke chapter 1, uh, the angel Gabriel had told Zechariah, who is John the Baptist's father, your son will be filled with the Holy Spirit from his mother's womb. That's how powerful gospel fellowship is. That even a fetus is joining in, y'all. A fetus is joining the church by public profession of faith. By leaping in the womb of his mother. Now we could go into a side conversation here and I think it would be very profitable to talk about how the Bible, when it describes a fetus in the womb, describes it as a baby. This is a baby. Same word used for a born baby. This is a baby that God himself can work in by his Holy Spirit. This is a human being. One of the reasons why as Christians we feel so strongly about valuing life even in the womb is because the Bible speaks about that life in these kinds of terms. This is a real person. Not just an extension of his mother's body. 
but a real person. But we don't have to chase that down. We can simply say, look at it. Look how amazing it is when two women get together who are pregnant and they begin to share spiritual blessings one with the other. Even their children get blessed in the process. That's how powerful this thing is. It goes beyond what your eyes see. There is something going on in the, you could call it the spiritual realm. When God's people get together that you can't see and yet it is working just as surely as if you could see it. Isn't that good? This is more than just your run-of-the-mill friendship. This is excitement over what God is doing through Jesus Christ. When Mary greets Elizabeth, Elizabeth shares the word with Mary. When, When Elizabeth shares the word with Mary, Mary returns the favor and shares the word with Elizabeth. And together, they encourage one another to believe. Do you have any friendships like that? Are you trying to cultivate friendships like that? It's important. Somebody told me a long time ago, you know, you always, as a Christian, you always need to have someone who's a little bit ahead of you that you're, getting, that you're having this kind of friendship with, ahead of you spiritually. And then you always need somebody who's a little bit behind you spiritually. So that you can always have the experience of being led along by someone and always have the experience of leading someone along. I think that's a great, very practical advice. I've always tried to keep that advice very imperfectly, but I've always tried. And I would encourage you, even if you've been a Christian for two hours, you can do that. You can find someone who's been a Christian for a minute, and you can find someone who's been a Christian for longer than two hours. And you can begin to cultivate the bonds of spiritual fellowship. There are two marks of this fellowship, if you'll notice it in the the lives of Elizabeth and Mary. The first one is this. It encourages them both in their faith. Okay, this is not just a, hey, you know, I scratch your back, you scratch mine. I make you feel good, you make me feel good. This is a, I am helping you follow Jesus. And you are helping me follow Jesus too. Mary gets more humbly dependent on God because of her encounter with Elizabeth. And Elizabeth gets more humbly dependent on God because of her encounter with Mary. Do you have a friendship that helps you in your faith? The second mark is it magnifies their joy. Together, their joy in the Lord gets increased when they get together. One of my favorite writers says that you you can hardly keep joy in because when you really enjoy something, you have to share it with someone. And the reason for that is when you share a joy that you have with someone else, it's almost like that completes the joy. The joy is not complete until you share it with someone else and then they also kind of reflect that joy back to you. I think that's right. I think that's real. That's a real thing. That's why I can't help but tell you about when the Seminoles win. Right? The same thing is true about lots of things in life, right? That's just one example this morning. No matter what it is, small things, big things, when something good happens, you want your joy reflected in someone close to you. And that's what's happening here. Their joy is being magnified as they share friendship together. 
These are the kinds of friendships we ought to have at church. One writer says that Mary and Elizabeth are a picture of how the believing community should always respond to Jesus. This is how the church should look. The sharing of God's word, the building of friendship, the growing of faith as we benefit from one another's gifts, and the magnification of joy. Isn't that good? I want you to think this morning, who is it that is helping you in these departments? Who is helping you grow in faith? Who are you helping? Who is helping your joy in God to be magnified? Whose joy are you helping to magnify? Very important. Now lastly, how does gospel fellowship keep our hearts humble? That's the theme this Christmas. We're talking about humility. And we see it in this passage. Uh, Elizabeth in verses 42 to 45 displays an, an absolutely uncommon kind of humility. And I want to show it to you. And I want to show that it comes directly out of her fellowship with Mary. She would not be able to display this humility had she not been with Mary. Had Mary not made haste to be with her, this humility could not have gotten expressed. Look at verse uh, 42. She exclaimed with a loud cry, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. Now, I, I can't fully identify with either Elizabeth or Mary. Some of you ladies in the room can do it better than I can, for obvious reasons. But if, if I'm thinking about it, and if I'm Elizabeth, and I'm very old and have been barren my whole life, and finally I'm now six months pregnant with my firstborn son, and I have a visitor from a young whippersnapper who's probably about 14 years old. I'm not talking about her. I'm talking about me. <laughs> Do you agree? I'm saying, Mary, blessed am I among women. <laughs> blessed is the fruit of my womb. I can't believe it. I'm old and now I have a child. Six months now I've carried the child. Three more months and he will be born. But instead, notice, Elizabeth does not say a single word about herself. All that she says is to glorify Mary's role in bringing her Lord into the world. Her focus is on Jesus, and therefore, because her focus is on Jesus, she's able to make much of Mary and little of herself. And that's always the case. The more we make much of God, the more we'll help make much of each other and less of ourselves. The less we make of God, the more we'll be all about ourselves. And therefore, we won't be humble. You see it again there in verse uh, 43. She continues, And why is this granted to me that the mother of my Lord should come to me? And there's that great word that we talked about last week, the word why, which is, the recipient of God's grace's favorite word in the world. Why? It's a Christian's favorite word. Because to, to, to receive the grace of God is to automatically ask, why me? How me? Surely not me, Lord. You must have got the address wrong. I don't deserve this kind of treatment. And here's Elizabeth. Why has the mother of my Lord come to me? 
The big deal to Elizabeth wasn't simply that Mary came. You see, these words have been adopted, of course, into the famous Hail Mary prayer, the Ave Maria, which we don't pray as a church. We don't, you know, believe in praying to or through any other human except the Lord Jesus. And yet here, clearly, Elizabeth's focus is not on the special power that Mary has, but on the Lord that Mary carries into the world as a servant. The grace that Mary has received, yes, but the grace she has received to carry my Lord, she says, my Lord. Mary's not her Lord, Jesus is her Lord. And she is ready to receive her Lord and Savior into her heart already, even though he's only uh, the smallest of embryos. I mean, had Mary gone for a sonogram at this point, it probably wouldn't even show up. That's how early on she is. And yet Elizabeth says, my Lord is in there. And why me that you would visit me and come under my roof? Do you see the humility? One writer says, we, our lives are like pyramids. The higher we want to go, the smaller we have to get. And I love that picture. The higher into fellowship with God you want to go, If you want to know God, if you want to know him more intimately, deeper, the smaller you're going to have to get, humility-wise. Elizabeth models here what her son John the Baptist would live out fully in his life, too. John the Baptist is the one who would grow up and everybody would flock to him because he was such a great preacher and he was a dynamite wild man out in the desert baptizing people and attracting huge crowds and yet John the Baptist said he Jesus must increase and I must decrease by the way where do you think John the Baptist learned that course the Holy Spirit right we believe in that absolutely but humanly speaking where did John the Baptist learn to speak that way and live that way must it have been through gospel fellowship with his mother she raised him after all she brought him up from the womb all the way up And it must have been that something of Elizabeth's humility that had been given to her through the Holy Spirit had then been taken up by John the Son so that John lived it out. And I want to tell you, that's such a beautiful illustration of the effect that gospel gospel fellowship can have in people's lives. This is one of the reasons why we value the life not only of unborn children, but children who are born and people, all people here. We value it because anybody by grace can be brought into this fellowship and become the kind of people that God is bringing to glory. That if people get brought into fellowship with Jesus and into fellowship with us because we're in fellowship with Jesus, not because of us, but because of Jesus, they can become like this. And a truly beautiful life is one that's not so full of self. 
Mary and Elizabeth are reminding one another of spiritual realities that we tend to forget. And the reason why we're not very humble, the reason why we often are so full of ourselves, is because we're numb to spiritual reality. We don't realize God's hand really is the ruler of our lives. We don't realize that all the good things we have actually are gifts from God to be used to serve others. We don't realize our own limitations in life are on purpose, that God actually designed us to be limited. He wants you to be limited. We don't realize often that God's kindness is being expressed to us through the kindness of the people around us. And yet here, through gospel fellowship, these spiritual realities are becoming real to these two women who would in turn become the raisers of John the Baptist and Jesus the Christ. And I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that if you're a Christian, you're a member of that same fellowship. And I hope you just got goosebumps when I said it. I hope you felt something when I said it. Because you are a part of the same body as Mary, as Elizabeth, most of all as the head, Jesus Christ, who's the head of us all. And that the same spirit at work in them is at work in us. And the spiritual realities that they became in touch with are the ones that we can come into touch with. And that can shape our lives and keep us humble and make us more beautiful as a community. Because we're less full of self, more full of God. The pyramid is smallest at the top. And the church is most beautiful, glorious, and exalted the humbler she gets as she learns how to depend on Jesus. Do you all see it? Mary and Elizabeth spent three months together. We're given maybe what would take two minutes, just one slice of that three months of fellowship that they had. Look at all that was done in two minutes. And now imagine how long God may give you to be a part of this great fellowship. And all the things he might get done in your life over 5, 10, 15, 20 years of membership in the community of the Holy Spirit. Do y'all want to make haste? I know I do. I need you. We need each other. Amen.